Welcome to the Beargrass Christian Church Podcast. I'm Dee Decker, Communications Director here at Beargrass, and in this episode, we continue our Living It Up sermon series. This week, Dr. Bond dives into Luke 12, 13 through 21 and asks the important question, where has the soul gone wrong? Many consider this uh, parable to be about big barn syndrome and greed. But Dr. Bond instructs us that we need to understand that this parable is not just about money. It's about life, our values, our priorities, and our perspectives. And now, Dr. Lee Bond. It is good to see you today. As I said in my uh, E! News article this past week, I feel like I need to apologize to you today. I confess that at times I get so tired of hearing bad news that I I literally take a break. And so I don't read the paper, I don't watch TV, I, I don't read the news feeds. And that is what I did for one day, starting last Saturday morning. I mean, how much can happen in just 24 hours, right? I came to church with kind of a clueless business as usual mindset. It didn't help that I missed an email from a brokenhearted church member. It didn't help that I missed a text from my wife, Ellen, who had sent it that morning with an update about what was going on. It didn't help that emails from regional ministers in Texas and Ohio hit my inbox between the services last Sunday. And so, you know, we, we just, we stayed, we stayed with the program as it was printed. We stayed with it as it was planned. Susan mentioned it during the concerns and celebrations and gave us a little time for some meditation. But in hindsight now, I wonder, I wonder if, if that was enough. Should I have had the courage just to toss the bulletins aside And now I find it ironic that I was preaching about the Lord's Prayer and I was talking about the spiritual practices and exercises we're thinking about this summer. But rather than talking about centering prayer and intercessory prayer and lament, maybe we should have taken the hour last Sunday to to do just that. And so please forgive me. Because some of you probably came to worship expecting to do those very kinds of things, to pray, to reflect on the troubling matters that face us. You, you may have expected to hear and to think about some ways that our faith informs our responses to the senseless acts of violence that have happened lately. In fact, I almost tossed out today's text when I first read it. It, You know, it it seemed irrelevant uh, with what's going on in most of our hearts and minds right now. The story is found only in Luke, and and it's it's about stewardship. It's about priorities and that kind of thing. It's It's a parable about what really matters in our lives. And then I thought about, thought about it again, and, and this, this text, this story that Rob just read for us, may be very relevant to what's going on in our lives today. 
A comedian tells a story about a very rich one percenter. He had just walked out of an expensive restaurant and suddenly an armed robber pulled him into a dark alley and the robber shouted, your money or your life. And there was this long pause and the robber shouted again, your money or your life. And the man said, don't rush me. (laughs) Don't rush me. Uh, I'm thinking it over. I think Jesus challenges us to think about our money and our lives and what's really important. And, you know, as you know, he talks a lot about the topic. It is a high priority for him. And if you were teaching today in this place or in Louisville or in cities across the country, he would probably talk about it even more. You know, Jesus takes advantage of a sibling squabble and uh, to, to present a parable. He doesn't get involved in the family feud, you notice, but he does seize the moment to, to talk about the big picture when it comes to our stuff. He says, you know, take care. Take care, be on guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And then Jesus tells a story, as he often does in situations like this. This man has this this wonderful run of prosperity. He is on a roll. He's hit it big. You know, he is doing so well that his barns are about to burst. His warehouses are stocked to overflowing. And his solution is to tear down the old barns and build bigger barns. He is so satisfied with himself that he begins to talk to himself. Have you ever had one of these conversations when life is going so well? He begins to congratulate himself on his great success and he talks to himself, soul, soul, I have ample goods laid up for many years, soul. It's time to relax and eat and drink and party. Soul, you have done so well. We know this person. We know about bigger barn syndrome, don't we? We, we meet her at dinner parties and social gatherings. We see him at all the home football and basketball games. We play tennis with her. We see him at the country club. We, we like this person. We like these people and often have a lot of respect and admiration and sometimes envy uh, for their success. But what does Jesus call him in the story? Fool. I'm not making it up. Check it again if you don't believe it. Rob read it. I mean, fool. And it's it's been said that fools and their money are soon parted, but Jesus says that sometimes fools don't part with their money. Amen? Right? But where has this soul gone wrong? Now, we need to understand that this parable is not just about money. It's about life. It's about our values, our perspectives, our priorities. Sometimes I think we, we overestimate our abilities and our success and our net worth and our creative genius and forget that all of those things are gifts from God. Sometimes we lose sight of what is really, really important. There's been a tragic example in the news of one who seemed to have it all but became the embodiment of evil and took his own life and ruined so many others along the way. Are we trying to become channels for God's blessings 
or are we in the bigger and better barn business? Jesus doesn't seem to be critical of those who have money. I think that's important. He does seem to be concerned about those who hoard money, as Dan suggested. Will this one who's been blessed to excess bless others? Will he keep it all or give it up and pay it forward? Jesus seems genuinely interested in this soul's soul. And I think that's where this this story hits home for us today. Because if Jesus can be concerned about the soul of an individual, is it possible that he can be concerned about the soul of, of a family or a church or a community or the soul of a country? We are very well aware that the presidential campaign and many other political campaigns are already in full swing. Aren't you thrilled, right? Excited about that, I'm sure. It never stops now, does it? There's, there's never a break anymore. And we are familiar with one of the questions that politicians often ask during their campaigns, and it goes something like this. Are you better off now than you were four years ago or whatever? But for people of faith, perhaps there are better questions to ask. Are more of the people in our community better off? Are more of the people in our country better off? Are more of our children better off? Are the poor better off? We're also familiar with another well-worn campaign cliche. It is often said, it's about the economy. Stupid. (laughs) You remember? But for Christians, it's not just about the stupid economy. Politics cannot just be about pocketbooks and portfolios. They must be about the kind of people and society we want to be, our values, our integrity, our compassion, our concern for the poor around the block and around the world are at stake. But does the nation now have a bad case of bigger barn syndrome? The wealth gap continues to increase rather than decrease. Prosperity promises have helped the rich get richer. And the big barn people are pulling our political strings. And and the top 1%, and I've read now the top 0.1%, own as much as the bottom 90% in our country right now. Too many people, especially children, are at risk, and too many families are a paycheck away from from real panic. And the dollars are there, but there's a severe distribution problem. And yet that does not stop us from protecting our big barns. Spending is skyrocketing, skyrocketing to keep our big barns safe. The Pentagon is asking for $720 billion dollars for 2020 and with that 5% increase we will spend more on our defense budget than the next six countries on the planet combined another expression of big barn syndrome relates to our guns Americans represent 5% of the world population, but we have accumulated 
45% of the guns on the globe. There are now more guns in our country than there are people. And I found it quite telling and troublesome last week when the market dropped over 750 points. Did you hear about that? But gun company stocks rose on that day. And then right after the two latest deadly mass shootings in Dayton and El Paso, gun sales dramatically increased in the following days. And one of the hottest sellers is assault rifles. It also broke my heart to hear of soaring sales for another product, and this one took me completely off guard. And I, I, I know some of you won't agree with my thoughts, but I'm, I'm sharing what's on my heart right now. I saw a commercial promoting bulletproof backpacks, and it showed two little children walking down a school hallway in an elementary school. And they, they may as well have been wearing bullseyes on their backs. And I, I couldn't help but think of our triplets, our grandboys. Couldn't help but think about your children and grandchildren and, and our church's children. It's as if we have given up and accepted this as the new norm. And I, I pray, dear God, you know, how have we so badly lost our way? Are you concerned about these kinds of things? You know, will hate speech and racist rhetoric become the new norm? Will flying the flag at half-staff become the new norm? Will white supremacists continue to call and take the shots? And how long? How long will we offer the literal blood sacrifices of our children and loved ones on the altar of an archaic amendment? Now, I realize these are very complicated matters, and I know... Some of you will disagree today. And I know there are lots of factors and, and, and distractions, and these are not, these are not easy issues. But, but I think we've got to begin with the guns. We've got to start giving up the guns. And not, not all of them. You, you know the ones I'm talking about. And, and, and it's the gun laws, and, and it's paralyzed lawmakers, and it's some of the big barn people who have bought them. And, and so maybe it's time to give some of that stuff, some of that up. I do believe, I do believe with all my heart that, that people of faith can make a change. And so we do not sit idly by. I do believe that uh, we can make a difference in the world. You know, that we, we said enough is enough after Sandy Hook in 2012. How many times have we said enough is enough is enough is enough? We said it last weekend. We do need to continue to offer prayers and support for those who suffered these unspeakable losses and as we affirmed last week, prayer can certainly change us. So our prayers will and must inspire us also to action. They can embolden us to have the courage to speak truth to power. And we must respond not based out of our political affiliations, but from our higher and primary allegiance as disciples of the Prince of Peace. 
When we pray together, thy will be done. What could that look like when it comes to saving the soul of a community or saving the soul of a country? When we ask, what would Jesus do? What have we learned from his life and teachings and ministry that will help us now in these days? When we remember God speaking through the prophets, asking them to turn swords into plowshares, to transform weapons that take life into tools that give life. You know what? Change can happen. Whether we do it alone or together, change is possible. And one who has gone before us has shown us that change can happen. And one who gave up his life in the midst of crisis said those who passively accept evil are as much involved in it as those who perpetrate it. Hate cannot drive out hate. Love can only do that, only love. He said, I believe, I believe that unarmed truth with unconditional love will have the final word. Thank you, Dr. Bond, for that important and timely message. We hope that you'll join us around the table at one of our worship services this weekend. On Saturday, August 17th, we're going to have a special message in music with The Infinite Realm, a Southern gospel group that you won't want to miss. That's Saturday at 530 in the sanctuary. And Sunday, August 18th at 9 and 11, Reverend Julie Richardson will be sharing a message titled On Your Left, looking at Ruth 1, 7 through 18. We hope that you'll join us again for one of these worship services. For this information and much more, you can go to www.beargrass.org. Find out everything that's happening in the life of our church family. We'd love to see you around the table this weekend. Until then, grace and peace.